Hello, hello, everybody. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Hope you had a fun and or relaxing weekend. And before we get into a fabulous uh, talk today with Emps, all about celebrity apocalyptic relationships, we had so much fun on this episode that we're actually going to have Emps back sometime in the future to continue more because we covered four hot topics, celebrity couples. We didn't have time to get to the fifth one. And there's just like, there's so many different fun apocalyptic celebrity relationships. And I love talking about this as a theme. I just wanted to hop on real quick and let you know that Patreon dropped a new feature. They're, every month they drop some sort of new feature where now you can listen to all of my episodes on Patreon for free for seven days. So they've got a seven day or a week free trial on there. Would love it if you stayed for more than seven days, but I understand maybe if you don't want to, maybe I can win you over with some of those episodes. So we have Emps on today for a fantastic talk. We also did a Patreon episode with Emps probably about two months ago. So you can check that out afterwards. I'm trying to think of some of my favorite episodes I've done over there. One all about Timbaland and his Midas touch in music. We did one this past Friday with Emily from It's Become a Whole Thing all about mushroom conspiracy theories. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's on there. I also loved, we did a Shrek episode over there. We did one speculating all about celebrities' sex lives. We did one about Donald Trump and his family's blind items, celebrities that believe in conspiracy theories, missing 411. It's like, it's just fun. I know some people give flack and they're like, oh my God, all of your good episodes are on Patreon. But what's that line from Justin Bieber in one of his songs where he's like, you think I'm biased to my significant other? You hit it right on the head. Only be missing my lover. What can I say? You know, you pay $5 a month. I want to give something really good. So if you like what you listen to here on Mondays and Wednesdays, and you just want to see for free what the other episodes are, patreon.com slash fluently forward. Okay, my spiel is over. And without further ado, let's get emps on the horn here so we can talk a little bit about celebrity apocalyptic relationships. Here we go. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you've heard her lovely voice before, but for all of the public listeners, give a round of applause to Emps. Welcome to the show, Emps. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I always enjoy chatting with you. I am so psyched for this episode. Basically, I was on, I was a guest on a podcast maybe like three weeks ago called Significant Lovers. And they have an incredible podcast. You got to check it out. Each episode is about like a significant couple, either through history or celebrity times and everything about it. We talked about John Mayer and Katy Perry, and then you and I got to talking about them because they are an apocalyptic celebrity relationship. And then we were just kind of bouncing around this idea for an episode about all of the different apocalyptic celebrity relationships that happen. Now, the ones we're going to be covering today are John Mayer and Katy Perry, Bella Hadid and The Weeknd, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, Kirsten Dunst, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Samantha Ronson and Lindsay Lohan. Anyone that we aren't discussing that you want to mention, like a special mention up top? Because we like had to narrow it down from a list of about 20. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a couple. I mean, one that jumps to mind is Amanda Bynes and Kid Cudi. There's 
Oh gosh, let's see. I, I'm like, I know we had the same list and now I can't re- remember my list. Let me, let me look. I feel like um, Tom Cruise and like, there's also somewhere like John Mayer and Katy Perry. We could have also done John Mayer and Jessica Simpson, like Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. We yeah. could have also done him and Nicole Kidman. And it's like, you can tell who's toxic. Like the weekend kind of like fucks up anybody that he dates. Like it, same with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. And I also had on my list for potential Britney Spears and K-Fed, yes. uh, Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe, I believe yes. is how you're supposed to pronounce his last name. Uh, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. We know that all too well. Um, and I had Puff Daddy or P. Diddy, however you may know him, and Cassie. And, and, and those were some of my like big contenders, but I liked the list that we narrowed it down to. God, those are so good. And I love talking to you about pop culture because you are truly a pop culture connoisseur where I feel like kind of an imposter syndrome pop culture person who like got into it because I was obsessed with like Taylor Swift and then Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and it like spiraled from that. But I'm so glad that you mentioned these ones, especially when we talk about Jake Gyllenhaal and Kirsten Dunst. Like I did not know that much about them and diving into the research of this, they kind of shook me. So should we start with John Mayer and Katy Perry? Yes, and I also have some notes, and I I read over your your doc as well. And again, they they align pretty nicely, which I love. But yeah, we can start with them. And I do, you know, I have a quick honorable mention of of Jessica Simpson because she dated him first. And I just really quick, it was two thousand six to two thousand seven. If you haven't read Jessica Simpson's memoir, you must. I mean, that's to the listeners as well. It is is an incredible memoir. She puts out like good, like her memoir was good. And you know what? I used to buy her shoes all the time at TJ Maxx. So like, I, like she puts out stuff that's like shockingly good. Like you would think it's just a celebrity who cares, but I like her stuff. I love her stuff. Pretty much anything she does is better than the singing, in my opinion, <laughs> which I like some of that as well. I mean, I love the pu- a public affair, but- Oh, the anyway, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so John and Jessica, they met while she was still married to Nick Lachey, but soon after she split with him, they started dating. And so Jessica uh, says in her memoir, she always worried she wasn't smart enough for John. The way that she describes this is exactly, if we're going to believe that Taylor Swift wrote Dear John about John Mayer, this is like verbatim. It says, mm. he was so clever and treated conversation like a friendly competition that he had to win. One minute he was explaining the start of his Rolex collection, and then another he was going on about a collector he was jealous of, then the nature of jealous, then the concept of time and the heft of it on your wrist. Oh, Jesus Christ. Never impressed by me acing your tests, you know? Haven't we all dated someone like that too, where it's like, look, like I work a nine to five job, or like I just got done with my classes in college or high school, and like that's just like life is hard enough as it is. I don't want to have to do some sort of mental fisticuffs with my partner. Like I like to watch a stupid movie and laugh about it and then have an orgasm and go to bed. Like we don't have (laughs) to be doing some sort of like Sudoku with each other. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, John allegedly broke up with Jessica nine times. So, and this was from 2006 to 2007, nine times. And every time he did it, it was over email. And you know, she claims that John also told her she drank too much, so he gave her Xanax instead. Nine times. You know what? I bet it was every time she got her period. He just seems oh like that guy. 
And we all know, and well, maybe we maybe maybe I shouldn't assume, but like a lot of people know the things that he said about Jessica Simpson in that Playboy magazine interview where he said a whole bunch of other terrible stuff that he called her sexual napalm yeah. and was just He's just gross. So that's just a quick um, photos. Like I remember seeing paparazzi photos of, I think like one of their fights or one of the times that they were breaking up. And I think, I mean, who knows? It's, it's like when you go for human witnesses and you ask them what color the car was in a car crash and they all say a different color. I'll never, I'm the worst police witness ever. Yeah. Like our memories are so strange, but I could have sworn that Jessica Simpson was like, wearing white or something and they were like at a tropical destination like they were on vacation and they were fighting yes and, and she's paparazzo. sitting there she's sitting yes. on that wall at the beach crying crying after she had dyed her hair brown i don't know if she ever explicitly said she did that because of him but it wouldn't surprise me it's like the opposite of elon musk you know he's like yeah go blonder and john's like be darker you know yes i'm looking at these photos here i just loved it because like it's so rare to truly see a candid photo of two celebrities fighting. Like, I'm sure we've all seen that photo of, like, Madison Beer and Zach Bia fighting outside of a club. I go crazy. Like, it's one of my favorite genres the, of paparazzi photos. Those like, pictures of Joshua Kushner and Carly Kloss having, yeah. like, a knockdown drag out at, like, a gas station in, <laughs> in the city. They're, they're some of my fav- favorites. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, I love looking at it. But if anyone ever took a photo of me having a fight, like, I know I would look so ugly. I'd be, like, so mad. That was terrible. Captured. Terrible. But yeah, and but, then, but that's yeah. that's just our honorable mention of of Jessica. And you know, it was a long time ago. I forgot it was that long ago. But he does not seem to change his MO much as we move to Katy Perry. Yes. Like <laughs> Justin, you talking about him and Jessica Simpson, there's a lot of things they do that are similar together. When I was on the Significant Lovers podcast, the craziest thing to me was like Look, when John and Katie got together, I remember a few people were surprised because it's kind of like the Gwen Stefani, Blake, Shelton, right? Like you didn't imagine California girl whipped cream on her tits to be with this edgy bad boy, like I'm so tortured type of guy. So we were all kind of shocked by that. It shocked me even more when they did a song together and a music video where they're like riding a bowl and pretending to be like a happy little Midwestern couple. And then when they were on the Ellen show together, like they were just doing all of these coupley things that I thought was very surprising, especially considering that Dear John had come out and really painted John Mayer as like this playboy. But what I didn't realize until I did that episode with them was that they also broke up and got back together probably about seven different times. And it seems like that must be John's thing. I don't want to, well... I do want to play armchair psychologist because it's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) He must be like avoidant, scared of commitment. What type of like vibes do you get of like how, if you had to date John Mayer, what do you think it would be like? Well, you're giving him a lot of grace Mm. with, with with these very professional sounding sounds. I just think he's a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I, like, like plain and simple. What is it? Taylor says, uh, Taylor Swift says and hits different. Like, I don't need another metaphor. It's simple enough. Like he just sucks. I have never liked him. I have a younger brother and some younger cousin, male cousins who are like obsessed with him. They live and die by him. And I'm like, guys, I just can't, I can't look at you the same way because you're, you're so enamored with him. And he just, not a good person. He's very close to the same age as I am. I have heard so many firsthand accounts 
of him just being gross. And I think dating him would be like someone always making you second guess yourself, always making you feel stupid. No matter if you were right, he would somehow find his way to make you wrong in any situation, whatever it may be. And I don't know if that's, if I'm describing narcissistic personalities, I, I really don't know, but he's, I don't think he's a good person. I do think he's done some growing in, in his, you know, older age, but in my opinion, it's not enough. I just remember like when I was younger, I said, <laughs> I'm like, when I was younger, I'm talking about me at like literally 25, but I would sometimes date someone. And if they made me feel not good about myself, I would be like, oh my God, that's because I have to dress better or I have to look better or I have to be this or like I'm obviously not measuring up in some way. And then you reach a certain point, maybe it's experience, maybe it's age, where you're like, actually some types of people just make everybody feel small. Like my friend recently kind of ended things. Well, you know, she had only been out two times with this guy and then he ended things with her and she was like just feeling so small over it. And she was telling me about some of their interactions. And I'm like, no, that's because he put you through like a bingo checklist of negging and comparison and kind of slight put downs. Like some people really just have that gift of making you feel like shit and they do it to everyone. Like it just honestly seems like John Mayer has made everybody feel that way, which is like so rancid. Yeah. He, he just sucks. Like some people just suck. I always say sucks to suck because it does. (laughs) And you can't, a lot of the, a lot of times you can't really outgrow that. Like you can't change it. Some people are just mm-hmm. never going to be breezy or a good time or be able to be happy for someone else. I think John is just really high on his own supply. Breezy and- is such a good way to describe it. Like imagine <laughs> going on a beach vacation and just wanting to lay around and sip a pina colada with John Mayer couldn't do it. Like imagine Mm -hmm. wanting to go to like Six Flags or play laser tag with John Mayer. Like couldn't do it. Anytime I picture like a peaceful, fun, breezy, relaxing situation, John Mayer could never be in that same scenario. He just couldn't. No, he couldn't. And I'll, I'll spill a little tea. I've, (gasps) I spilled it on Cam's podcast, but I'll spill it again here. It's not that great. So let me just preface, but John Mayer has As far as I know, he has always been like this, even before he achieved massive success. Um, I don't know exactly what year this was. Not going to do the math, but I have a a, another cousin, a female cousin who back in the mid 2000s really thought she was going to like be a musician one day. It was her dream. And she was about 14 at the time. And my uncle was taking her to all these places to try to get her noticed, signed, exposed, whatever, as a basically kind of like a Taylor Swift, just not starting out in the country genre. And she met John Mayer. And I want to say this would have been like 2007, eight. I don't know when he broke on the scene huge. It's probably more around like 2006, but he wasn't the John Mayer that we know today yet. And right in front of my uncle, met my cousin, right in front of my uncle to my cousin, he started hitting on her, asking her out. And my cousin didn't like, she's not one of these like internet girls now that's like 12, but they look 25. Like she looked very much 14. And my uncle had to step in and was like, hey man, this is my daughter. She's only 14 years old. Like, what are you doing? And John was like, oh, so you know, laughed it off. And it's like a story that has been told in my family for a very long time. But did he change? Like, no. he did the same thing to Taylor Swift. And I think like I was 
I think we were talking about this at one point, maybe this was over on our Patreon episode, how there's a compilation video of all the times John Mayer has spoken about Taylor Swift from like the nice to the bad. And when he gives her compliments back in that like speak now fearless era when they started to work together, he's always complimenting her by saying that she's childlike, how during one of their recording sessions, she was drawing with crayons and she was just like a little fairy. And it's all of these things where I remember the first time I listened to it years ago, I'm like, oh my God, that's so sweet. And now I listen to it and I'm like, pedophile. I mean, I say that with jest, but he's creepy. That's creepy. I mean, and he was doing the same shit back in the mid 2000s and did it, you know, in front of my uncle to my little cousin. And, you know, he just it seems like he's always had a very grand perception of himself. He's very pleased with who he is. Yeah, and have I mean, I know that you are also deep in the blind item lore. He is like a freak in the sheets. Like the rumors about him, Sean Mendez and Camilla Cabello having threesomes over COVID, like him and Andy Cohen fucking just like, yep. I think if anything has a wet hole, John Mayer's going to try to fuck it and then say that it's stupid. <laughs> like yes. He's going to like yeah. neg, like you could see him. There's like a wet, muddy hole in the ground and he's like, you're not as smart as me. And then he like fucks it. <laughs> <laughs> And then gets mad because the puddle's too muddy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. He's like he's just, younger and then he walks yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. I've never really been a fan. I I think that I do think it has a lot to do with me being close and very close in age to him. So I feel like it's like a level playing field for like I don't know. That's just a psychological thing where I'm like, eh, you don't scare me. You don't impress me. I see right through you. Where, you know, if you're a younger fan looking up to someone who's, you know, older than you, that you might feel intimidated or something like that. But I've oh, never, totally. never thought much of him. Now, he is talented. Okay. I'm not saying he's not talented, but yeah, he's good at the guitar, whatever. He, he sings I, well, slow dancing in a burning room. Yeah. Fantastic. If I saw him like in a room at a party, I'd be like, I'm out of here. I have seen him. I have, <laughs> people are like, oh, poor imps. I have been my yes, I have had my arm twisted many times to see him in concert because my my brother is such a huge fan. I hope he never yeah. hears this. He'll be very <laughs> upset. <laughs> but I'm like, eh, I could take it or leave it. I I I have left when I can, been like, okay, I did the family thing. I was here and I gotta go. I gotta leave. Like I'll I've just like, never 10 mm-hmm. years ago, he was hot. I don't think he's hot now, but like 10 years ago, he was like pretty hot. Well, I feel like we covered most of their relationship. They, just a little TLDR, they actually met three years before they started dating. They like were flirty with each other, but then Katy Perry ended up obviously dating and marrying Russell Brand. So he kind of swooped in before they actually dated. After they divorced, they started dating again. They were on and off and on and off. And like I mentioned before, um, very coupley when they were together with the songs and the appearances. This was interesting. I'm surprised that they were able to bond during this. So when they got together, John Mayer had damaged his vocal cords and he had to go on vocal rest after throat surgery. So Katy Perry was his interpreter for like 10 months. Like she would order for him when they went out to dinner. She would like basically be his voice. And I'm like, that's crazy. Cause if I can't, if I couldn't talk for a day, I would go crazy, let alone be able to fall in love with someone. But maybe that's John Mayer at his best. Like maybe, maybe when, when he, he can't talk, you fall he in love speak. with him. 
That's like, so funny. Oh my I god! Like that. I feel so smart around him, like because he can't talk. Because he can't talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Katie. Katie did say about John that she's been such a fan. He's so incredibly talented and gifted. He's a genius songwriter. Mm. So I think she's very enamored with him. And then apparently, John used to call Katie Prism. Like as a nickname, oh, or sweet, maybe referred to her as a prism. You know, I don't, I don't have the details on that, but it clearly stuck with her because she released Prism in 2013, and John allegedly co-wrote some songs on it. I didn't like check the track list, so someone can yeah. fact check me on that. But yeah, it's their their relationship was very often on. Like when when I was talking to you in DMs about like apocalyptic celebrity breakups, like the way that I define that for myself is like. Someone in that relationship was never the same afterwards. Yeah, and I don't think Katy Perry has ever been the same. Like that relationship changed her on a cellular level. Like I don't, and I'm not saying anything about her success or her career trajectory, but I am though, kind of mm. a little bit, because it just has never. She's never gotten that like grip back. Oh my God. Wait, you're right. He like took her sparkle. Like she, cause she hasn't really been on top for a while. No. And, and she, um, I, I always like, I like to watch social media can just tell, tell you so much about a person, whether they're a celebrity or just someone you, you know, know from your personal life and you can like see their behavior and be like, Ooh, that's a little unhinged. Like something's going on. Like something's not steady with this person right now. And Katie has very much, given a lot of unhinged behavior after this relationship, like not, not consistently, but like certain things. And I don't even follow her that closely, but just certain things of like, whoa, that's odd. And I remember when she cut off all her hair mm -hmm. and I tried to do the timeline of like, did she cut off all her hair right after this relationship? And the answer is no. However, when she released witness, I believe it was Witness. It was at the one with Bon Appetit Baby. Yes. Yeah. So in 2017, she released Witness. A lot of her her very diehard fans think a bunch of the songs on Witness have lyrics about John. There's no confirmation from Katie or from John. This is just, you know, the, the lyric analysis that fans love to do. But she did cut her hair off with that album. And I, you know, I don't know if there's any correlation, but I just feel like... A little breakup snip. When people be doing crazy stuff to their hair, it's usually some sort of outlet. Yeah. And I mean, they they definitely have been writing about each other. Like even, and we're going to get into some of the blinds because like when they broke up, to quote Katy Perry herself, it's not really over till it's over. Wait, what's that song? Just because it's over doesn't mean it's yes. really over. And if I think it over. So John's album, Sob Rock has a song and he said to the New York Times that the tracks still feel like your man was about Katy Perry. He said, quote, who else would I be thinking about? And by the way, it's a testament to the fact that I have not dated a lot of people in the last five, six years. That was my only relationship. So it's like, give me this, people. This episode is brought to you by Next Evo Naturals, the only CBD I take because it's my favorite CBD product. I just finished up, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know, I just finished up a move to Denver. I literally arrived here yesterday and everybody knows how much moving and packing it's actually one of the most stressful life events that you go through every year. I saw some study that say that. So when I tell you that I was popping these CBD Next Evo gummies, 
roughly every six hours about over the last month. And it was just such a game changer and a lifesaver for my stress levels. Something else, Next Evo Naturals, they also have CBD in capsule form and they also have it in powder form. And this is something that I love doing because I'm experimenting with sober lifestyle, trying to drink less, making a nice little cocktail, like a mocktail before bed, and then putting some CBD powder into it. It's such a fun little routine. So if you want to see what Next Evo Naturals is all about. You can leave summer stress behind and upgrade your CBD. Go to nextevo.com slash fluently to get 20% off of your first order of $40 or more. That is 20% off $40 or more at nextevo.com slash fluently. Basically, there are a lot of different blind items. I'm just going to sum them up, but a lot of blind items said in their relationship, John Mayer was cheating on Katy Perry. Surprise, surprise. I could have guessed that. But the most interesting to me was that allegedly in these blind items, even though Katy Perry is married to Orlando Bloom, she's still been hooking up with John Mayer. Not like regularly, but you know, we have while this foreign born A minus list mostly movie actor who likes to get naked was home for Father's Day, his A list girlfriend hooked up with the singing ex. So maybe this was before they were married, but. Let's just say that when they said goodbye to each other, that wasn't the last time they saw each other. They're not a no contact type of couple. Gotcha. That doesn't surprise me on either side. And there were some interesting quotes about how they broke up what they told the press is like they broke up because Katie was like a party girl and John was like a stay at home guy and that their, you know, schedules just didn't and their lifestyles didn't line up. And I, and you'll see, I think you'll see that a lot as we go through these couples and I'm sure it's just, you know, a canned response that, you know, you give to the magazines and stuff like that. But we do know Katie likes to party. I don't think that that's a secret. And John has always been a little more low key when it comes to stuff like that. And Katie, Katie, Lolita and jerk off at home. Like that's what I imagine (laughs) him doing. Katie referred to John as a tortured soul. And then she confessed, I do need to figure out why I'm attracted to these broken birds, referring to Mayer and Russell Brand. So interesting. One last thing I'll say is that in 2022, like Katie is still very triggered by this relationship because on an episode of American Idol, one of the contestants, I guess it's I'm not, I don't watch American. I I mean, obviously I'm familiar, but I don't watch it, follow it super closely. But there was an episode where it's like the judges song contest night. So like the judges pick the songs for the contestants to sing. And one of them sang a John Mayer song. And Katie was like, um, I feel like you should Wikipedia me like, like, hello, like, why are you singing this in front of me? And then the contestant was like, so that's a no. And then Ryan Seacrest tried to like fill in the uncomfortable silence. And he's like, well, what she's trying to say is it. And then she cut him off and Katie interjected and said, it's a great song, but I can't talk anymore. Then shouted, I'm triggered and dropped to the floor, hiding underneath the judge's desk. Like that's not healthy behavior in in 2022. so public. Talk about being a singer and not an actress. But also like, (laughs) I would just imagine part of me almost thinks that doing something like that is kind of like a little bit of like a cry, not like a cry for help, but like a, okay, John, like, do you see this? Like there's like, I'm leaving the door open. Like, I feel like they've kind of left each other little hints over the years of like, the door's not totally closed. Yeah, sure. You know? And, and like I said, I don't, 
I personally, in my opinion, I do not think she has been the same since this relationship. Dude, I'm with you. All right, well, let's move on to Bella Hadid and The Weeknd because this is another relationship that has a lot of similarities, mainly breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together. So we all know that Bella Hadid and The Weeknd dated. They actually first connected back in 2015. They broke up many different times. So they first got to know each other at Coachella. And (laughs) I just have a little note in here that I find it so funny that so many different celebrity relationships find love and start off in Coachella because to me, finding love at a music festival, like I only find rage. Like I'm so overstimulated. It's so loud. I'm like, how do you talk to someone and get to know someone when you're at your sweatiest, most dehydrated, screaming, voice is gone type of self? But I guess that's where they clicked. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to stereotype people who go to music festivals, but I would oh, yeah, imagine, they were on drugs. <laughs> I, yeah, I would imagine that Bella and The Weeknd were on really good drugs. Um, and that's literally how Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, like, fell in love and got together, was that they were doing drugs together, and it made everything beautiful and perfect. And, it, yeah, that Another can happen. example, by the way, like, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez, which I feel like the only reason we didn't put them on here was because we talked about them a lot on our Patreon episode together. But talk about apocalypse. Like, both of them haven't been the same since that relationship. No. No, no, they haven't. And I I mean, I would say Selena's doing better. But yeah, that, again, changed, it shifted the very person who they were before and how they came out after. Hell yes. For sure. So yeah, so then The weekend later confirms that they connected, but he actually said that, quote, my motive was literally to work with her. And then when Bella Hadid declined, he said, I was like, all right, cool. We can meet up face to face. So they've worked on a lot of different creative projects together. So they've been really supportive too. Like he's gone to a lot of her fashion shows. They celebrated fashion week together. He met Yolanda and Gigi pretty quickly. They were photographed publicly, which I'm sure Yolanda loved. He bought Bella Hadid a Yorkie named Hendrix for her 19th birthday. And I just want to interject here. They were young, young. Like Bella Hadid was young when she first started dating him. And like, I know that she, like her and Kylie Jenner kind of look a little bit older than they actually are. Dating The weekend at 18, 19, I would never be able to recover from that. That's like a child dealing with like the most advanced, like, you know, level 501 guy on the planet to date. Yeah. And I don't know that she has, like, again, like yeah. I, I, I looked up her dating history on who's dated who. And while there are plenty of people since the weekend, I, I couldn't find anyone that she dated as long and like consistently as the weekend. And I actually found out who Bella and the weekend were through their blind items at the beginning of their relationship back in 2015. And I, I have one that I pulled. It took me forever to find it <laughs> from this moment. It's September 16th, 2015. I, I believe this. I, I just do. And I, Never liked the weekend since. I don't care for him. Um, This is the blind item. I don't know if this is blind devotion or love or what, but this current A-list singer who could fall just as quickly as he rose if he doesn't have a string of hits made had his model celebrity offspring girlfriend show everyone at a VIP table during fashion week her bare breasts. According to one of the people who was at the table, he basically shamed her into doing it and she looked extremely embarrassed. So like they're sitting at a party and after party at fashion week and he's like, Bella, show everyone your perfect breasts. And she's like, no, no. And then he's like, no, do it. No, do it. And she's like, 
lifts her shirt for this table of people at 18, 19 years old. I was like, no, I am done. I'm done. Do you remember that blind item about... (laughs) And I mean, I know that these are all alleged, but let's just pretend that, you know, every single one is true for the sake of conversation. The blind item about Justin Bieber making Selena Gomez show everyone her nipple piercing. Yep. Although I will say that I saw a nude of Selena and there wasn't a piercing in it. So I was like, maybe that one's not true. But like, it's still this weird, this idea of like an asshole boyfriend being like, show show them this like vulnerable body part of yours just to like prove how subservient you are to me. Yeah. And I just don't have a hard time believing awful things about people. I mean, yeah. in my, in my many decades on this planet, I, you know, typically people don't have your best interests, you know, and, and it's great when you find people that do, but that is rare in my experience. So I just don't oh. have a, problem believing that he would do something like this. He's older. He yeah. has, he's more established than her. And also, and I don't know if, if, if you do this or, you know, a lot of your listeners and like, I, I can't speak to it, but like, I have never like broken up and gotten back together and broken up and gotten back together and over and over and over. I'm not passing any judgment. I'm just saying, I don't understand it because when I'm done, I am done. And Same. I feel like yeah. when you read about relationships where they break up nine times over email. It's like, well, that can't be very good and solid. Like somebody is abusing, like whether it's emotionally or just a weird power dynamic, like that is taking advantage of someone to like push and pull them like that over and over and over again. And he did like Bella in the weekend, he did that to her. And what we see in each time they break up and get back together, right? So like the first time they did that, it was like their schedules, et cetera. I did think this line was interesting. One of their sources, which we know is basically a PR person said- It's Yolanda. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right? It's like Yolanda herself. (laughs) They are still in each other's lives though, just not in the same exclusive capacity. And it's like, oh, okay. So like, this is just like a source basically saying the weekend is like out there fucking, but he still sees Bella sometimes. Yeah, and when he calls her, she comes over. Yes. And when they keep getting back together, like Bella Hadid, I get such good, sweetheart, like too pure for this earth vibes from her. There's a few things that, you know, irritate me. Like anytime like a model who, you know, restricts their food kind of tries to act online like they're eating everything. They or cosplay with a hamburger. Yes. Like, like things like that stop. bug me. But I know that she's going through like her own struggle with that. So it's like, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But each time they get back together and break up, she says nothing but nice things about him. Like, I still love him. I still think that he's really dedicated. And to be doing that at age like 18, 19, 20 is very mature. And then this quote I found wild. She says at one point, I'm dating Abel. I don't see him as the weekend. I'm proud of the weekend and the music he makes, but I really love Abel. And that just piqued my interest because I know that he's now ditching the label of the weekend. So I wonder if that's something that like he said to people he's dated before, like Abel and the weekend are different, like et cetera. Oh, well, isn't that a convenient excuse to be terrible. That's not yeah. me. It's able. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not me. It's the weekend. Able wouldn't um, make you show your tits to everyone at a club. That was the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like, sorry. He jumped out. Um, the one, the one thing about this breakup that does not fit my like criteria is that 
she has thrived since she ditched this loser. She has done better and gotten more famous and more recognized since she cut him loose. And I feel like he's gotten loose. a little bit less too, especially now with, uh, are you hearing everything about that new show, The Idol, coming out? Like, yes. I'm going to watch the first episode just to see what it's like, but assuming it is as bad as everyone is saying, which like I feel like I can't judge until I watch it, if it is as bad, I'm not going to watch the rest because I have no interest in supporting any of that shit where Lily Rose Depp is like naked on screen and everybody says it sounds super rapey. I, yeah, I've heard all of those things. I am going to give it, I'm going to give it a try, but I will also have no problem being like, nope, I'm done. And I can't, this might be whatever but i i i'm a britney girl like to my bones like that's i've loved her since the mickey mouse club like i like when she put out her first single baby one more time and i heard it on the radio in my car as a teenager before the radio told you visually who was singing was on i like ran my car off the road <laughs> i was like that's britney spears from the mickey mouse club i knew it i knew it i knew she was gonna be a star i love her that that show is not a ripoff but like a like inspired by like like inspired her by lows. and like yeah. like like this character that Lily Rose Depp is playing is like supposed to be the way that I have gathered is like the next Britney or the Britney 2.0. And I'm gonna have to see how they care for that because if I don't care for it, if they're not careful, I'm out immediately yeah. because don't you can't like Hasn't Brittany had enough? Like, we're still, anyway, that's another podcast episode. (laughs) No, I'm with you. Like, it's just, I have a lot to say about that show. I'm going to have to wait to, like, watch. I'm telling myself I'm only going to watch the first episode, but just so freaking deranged. And I don't like that that showrunner either, or the writer, what the 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 euphoria Sam guy. Levinson, right? Yeah. Um, he's, he's put him in the same folder with John Mayer. Yeah, oh, totally. And people are saying, too, that The weekend suggested certain plot points for that TV show based off of experiences that he had with Selena Gomez. Um, so, I mean, I'd be remiss to say that in one of the times when The weekend and Bella, or sorry, should I be saying Abel? <laughs> like, <laughs> when him and Bella broke up, him and Selena got together, which I had tea from someone basically saying that The weekend and Selena weren't, like, a real couple. I think that they were both or at least I, my hunch is that Selena dated The Weeknd to make Justin Bieber go crazy because then they broke up and they did get back together for a little bit. But just like in going through this timeline, it was so, Selena Gomez is so fucking messy. So like she unfollowed Bella Hadid when she started dating The Weeknd, which is like, what did Bella ever do to you? Then anyway, later on in 2019, she comments on one of Bella Hadid's photos stunning with the heart eyes emoji and then Bella Hadid just deleted the Instagram post which I think is the classiest way to like try to not deal with something and then fans still took a screenshot and a Selena Gomez fan account pointed out that that photo had been deleted by Bella Hadid and Selena Gomez commented that sucks sad crying emoji face and it's just like Selena can you shut the fuck up and like stop always playing the victim like you already fucked her man like just chill and like stop bugging her like I don't, Selena Gomez is just messy she is and and many people have touched on this in in their separate podcast but that girl has give her publicity her team all the awards yeah. because never have i ever seen such a good job 
yeah. of like handling the mess that she really is. It's absolutely wild. And then there are some lyrics in the weekend's recent songs that people are trying to figure out, like, is it Bella Hadid? Is it Selena Gomez? I've always said what fascinates me about The weekend is that he turns his own blind items into lyrics. Like, you don't need to read his blind items. Just listen to the lyrics of his songs. So this lyric, people are like, is it Bella or Selena? Where he says, you said you might be into girls. You said you're going through a phase, keeping your heart safe. And they were like, okay, is he kind of outing someone? I know that people have speculated on both Selena and yeah, Bella Hadid both. when it comes to that. And then he continues on in the song and he goes, well, baby, you can bring a friend. She can ride on top your face while I fuck you straight. And it's just like, add him to the list of men that need to be neutered. Like, he just needs to chill a little bit. Like, some of his lyrics, I remember my friend and I were listening to it, and there's that lyric where he goes, she's about to go downtown for a whole hour. And I was like, he better not make girls give him head for an hour. You know he's not, like, going down, like, looking vag for an hour. He's probably, like, refusing to do it. An yeah, hour. he's probably one of those guys that won't do it at all. And also, yeah. the drugs that he loves to do, I could understand why it would, like, ah. take an hour. You know? <laughs> Come on. That would be so, I would love if Selena Gomez came out with, like, a diss track back and it was like, you know, when that dick ma- or when that coke made your dick limp because you love me, you try to simp, almost gave me a kidney <laughs> with your... Limp little pee pee. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> I, I I love that actually off the dome, but also you know she's probably written that somewhere, and her team was like, nope. <laughs> her team was like, are you kidding me? Like we're, we're locking that away in, in the vault yeah. because it's never gonna see the light of day. We're gonna We've do kill him with hard. kindness instead. Yeah. yeah, kill him with kindness. Meanwhile, Selena Gomez is like so sad that you deleted my Instagram thing. Oh, good God. I could talk for hours about how. Like someone like Selena, but a lot of these like Hollywood pop star girlies, like they do what Taylor Swift does. They just don't do it as well as she does. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to make this content and headlines for the next couple of weeks by doing these things. But it's like, I don't know. I Somehow, and I'm not speaking about present, like right now, Taylor, because there's a lot to discuss. uh, But like in the past, like no one's really kind of done it as well as she has. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, God. She does it well. I'm so excited to say that today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. ZocDoc is such a great solution for anyone who's looking to find a doctor near you. They're so flexible, so easy to work with, and so very adaptable. So if you've moved to a new town and maybe you're looking for a dermatologist or someone to check out, I don't know, something funky that's coming out of you, you can just go right onto ZocDoc. They've got a free app that you can use and you can find a doctor near you that's patient reviewed and you can just book everything that you need right in the app. You don't have to call and then wait and then get a call back. I've been using ZocDoc for I think about five years now for all of the different cities that I've been traveling to. Sometimes you move somewhere and you just don't have like a friend or family member's recommendation. So ZocDoc is always great for being able to find somebody who's going to help you with your health. So ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. So go to ZocDoc.com fluently and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash fluently, ZocDoc.com slash fluently. 
to find doctors in your area and help you with your health. Okay, should we do Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes? Yes, and I, I just, I have my quick honorable mention of Nicole. Please. They got married, and I didn't realize it was this long ago. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a crypt keeper. They got married in 1990, um, and I was a child back then, everyone. Like, I'm not, you know, just Wait, letting you know. 1990? Yeah, that is crazy. Yes, that's crazy. And then they divorced in 2001. So, I mean... 11 years, but just going like just to see that just see 1990 printed on on paper or on the screen or whatever. She's like, oh, my word. And anyone who's never Googled Nicole Kidman divorce photos, please do immediately. (laughs) Like pause this and go do that and then just like have a smile and just you will see what that divorce meant to her. Uh, And that's really all like everything that happens with with Katie I'm sure also happened with Nicole, but because it was the late 80s, early 90s, we just weren't able to like, we we didn't have privy to this information in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. God. And what's crazy is so Tom Cruise has actually been divorced three times. So Katie Holmes was his third wife. Uh, Basically, after he divorced Nicole Kidman and then he split from Penelope Cruz, I think she's one of the hottest women out there. Absolutely. He was also starting to get involved, right, with the Church of Scientology at this time. And rumor has it that the Church of Scientology was like, Tom, we're going to find you a worthy and easy to manipulate type of wife. So they started courting him with a bunch of different women. Allegedly, it was Sofia Vergara, Scarlett Johansson, and Katie Holmes, who was engaged to Chris Klein at the time. A magazine article came out where she said, I used to think that I was going to marry Tom Cruise. And this was because she got engaged and it was just like a throwaway sentence. And I'm sure Church of Scientology was like, ears perking up. So six months later, Klein and Holmes break up. Part of me wonders, did the church have anything to do with that? And a month after that breakup, Tom and Katie Holmes made their red carpet debut in Rome, which is like very, very quick. What do you think of the name Tomcat? I feel like we need to bring back more celebrity couple names. I have this in my notes, like right here. Like I'm looking at it. So this this is the research I pulled. Love Tomcat and... I know that like celebrities, like as the public, we have done this in the past with celebrity names. But what I found in my studies is that Ben and Jennifer, Lo- Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, they are, and it's like online on Wikipedia, they are the first superstar couple of the internet age that their popularity resulted in being known by their portmanteau, Benifer. And then right after that is Tomcat. So like this was like, <laughs> This had really just like lit on fire back, back in this time period. This has been like what, 2004 to 2002 to 2005. This was becoming like a thing. It was a very exciting time because like we don't really see it as much in magazines as you started to see it then. So I love, I love Tomcat. I, yeah. I could talk for like multiple episodes just on Tomcat. <laughs> yeah. Like I just think. I think it's stunning. I love a good name. So they get together and real fast, and it's funny because both of them had big films coming out around this time, War of the Worlds and Batman Begins. So a lot of people thought that this romance was a publicity stunt, which I'm just like, oh my God, before the era of TikTok, people were like still talking about publicity stunts. 
their relationship was what led to the iconic Tom Cruise on the Oprah Winfrey show, which um, I watched that clip recently because I recently watched the new uh, Top Gun movie and then I was like, kind of went on a Tom Cruise rabbit hole. <laughs> I feel like I hadn't seen the actual clip. I had seen different parodies of it. So when I watched it, it wasn't as intense, but he is jumping on the couch. And the weirdest thing is how he's like grabbing Oprah Winfrey's hands and like... Like and moving like, them back and forth, and she's like, "Get the fuck away like, from me!" But I'm smiling, like, "What?" <laughs> I remember when this, when that happened. I was actually, I was at my parents' house, and like, <laughs> you're like, I know exactly love, where I was. They, yeah, I do. I remember. Like, I'll never forget. And it was my mom and I were in the kitchen, and she had a TV in the kitchen, and we were watching Oprah, which is and. I just remember because my parents love, and I, I guess that's probably where I get it. Like, they love celeb stuff celeb gossip they they think i'm like overboard but because i <laughs> i have to ruin celebrities for everyone i I've, I've really tried to stop doing that actually <laughs> i'm working on it but i remember when that happened and i was like oh my god like mom like do you see this and i had her turn around and look at the tv she's like he's lost his mind and then we, we were like called my dad in there and he was like what did he say? He said something like, what is this lunatic doing? Like, and from that moment on, they, neither one of them ever liked Tom Cruise ever again. They were like, this is so like unhinged, uncouth, like bizarre behavior. And I mean, I was a Dawson's Creek girl, you know, like that was my, that's my era. And so they loved Katie Holmes. And I was always watching that when I was a teenager and they were just like, this is, this is it. They were done. Like looking back on it. I know at the time he was like, love is making me act this way. If you had a guess, what drug do you think he was on? Was it the drug of love or Scientology? Or do you, like, there must have been some uppers, a little cocktail of stuff. Yeah, probably. probably I need to go back and, like, zoom in and look at his pupils and be like, okay, I'm on pupil watch. Honestly, probably something we've never even heard of is probably some, like, Scientology cocktail. But, like, if I had to guess. They took an alien crystal and they, like, put half of it up his butt and then snorted the other half. Yeah. Like, I would say Adderall was a thing for sure, but it wasn't. It it was, like, diet pills back then, but it was really speed. Yeah. It hadn't had its moment yet. It was more Ritalin in those days that, like, kind of people people knew about or familiar with. So something like that or, honestly – Tom is just, he could have just been high on Scientology, girl. Like, just, yeah. (laughs) He's out of his mind. Well, they end up getting engaged just shy of eight weeks from having first met, which is insane. He gives her a ring. Um, It's a five-carat yellow diamond. Then they, this was in June 2005. In October, they announced that they're expecting a child, he cranks up the crazy to level 20 here. He gets a sonogram machine to track the baby's development at home. And then- I remember that. Yeah. And Katie gives birth. And I remember reading that one of the rules of Scientology is that women aren't allowed to make sounds during labor or delivery because you don't want to traumatize the baby when it comes out. So yep. you can't have the baby hear screams, words, mo- like the doctors. Discom- any discomfort, yeah. any stress. I, I I know way too much about Scientology as well. <laughs> um, no, I know. I'm with you. And I, I remember reading that and being like, no effing way did like, was that, but maybe, I, you know, like, did she like really do that? But I, yeah, that's, is wild. Bizarre. I don't know if you've ever listened to NT talk about, like, he talks about this relationship a lot. Well, I think he has po- a crush on Katie Holmes. 
<laughs> well, he just recently did, I, we're up to four parts. I don't know if he's going to keep going, but like a deep dive on Katie Holmes. Just yeah, on in his general. page. Like right now he's doing it. On yeah, his right Patreon. now on his Patreon. And he's talked about this relationship, like I said, a lot in the past, but um, he's very fixated and I'm with him, very fixated on these two weeks that Katie Holmes like disappeared right after she got together with Tom Cruise. Like she like went off the map and like, she was in the middle of you potentially- mean like like they got engaged in eight weeks and out of those eight weeks she was missing for two of them or is this yes. after okay I th- I believe I believe so it may have been right after the engagement but either way she was like in talks with with other people about potential projects and I don't know I guess doing the networking Hollywood yeah she was thing. booming at the yeah time. and then yeah. and then she just disappeared and then when she came back and was like with him and engaged and all this stuff so I guess it was before the engagement that that people were like we're like what's up? Where'd you go? And they've like given quotes about like, I never heard from her again and is the weirdest thing. And I, I am also, I will lose, I will never sleep peacefully until I know like, where was she? Was she, was, was it like Scientology, like brainwash camp? Was it getting impregnated with Surrey? Like what, what was it? Where'd she go? Huh. What, what does NT speculate? Like, what do you speculate? There's only questions. I mean, I guess, I guess if I had to speculate, it would be something bad. I don't think it was, you know, a horse camp. I think, you know, no, definitely. I think that it probably had to do with her conceiving Surrey. Whatever that means. Oh. I'm not, and I'm not here to conspiracy theory about. Oh, this is a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Suri's father's? Because I feel like what the child is like 16 or 17 years old. Now she looks just like Tom Cruise. Like I'm not. Oh, she, I think she looks so much like Katie. Ho- like She, she on, does. Sorry. But yeah. I think she like when, when the, you get a picture of her or the paparazzi get a picture of her walking in the streets of New York city, like smiling. Yeah. When I she's in Tom. the pink cro- crop top yeah, and like the I see jacket. Tom, so I don't, you know, whatever I like, there, we we could talk a lot about like the Chris Klein of it all, the Josh Hartnett rumors, the Joshua Jackson rumors, but I I think it's probably Tom's probably her father, but maybe I don't know maybe she couldn't conceive Surrey the old fashioned way because a lot of Tom's ex partners like is it Minnie Driver is that who he was married to originally? Let's see. like his first wife Mimi Rogers Mimi Rogers thank you Mimi Rogers said that he couldn't he couldn't have children like she didn't say the words like all those stunts that he did yeah (laughs) (laughs) she was basically inferring that like he's sterile right that's what it sounds like Nicole Kidman and Tom never had children they adopted two children but you could also argue that like maybe Nicole Kidman didn't want to be pregnant at that particular time in her career so whatever if we're gonna go full conspiracy theory at least saying that like tom and katie didn't make surrey the old-fashioned way that like maybe she was at a special scientology facility being ivf'd or well i don't know ivf takes longer than that inseminated i don't know i i I just really wonder yeah maybe those two weeks have something to do with it she was never the same and she was pregnant so fast after they got together and a lot of people and then and then after she gave birth to surrey silently (laughs) silently there was silence for like four months 
after. And it wasn't until then that we had like articles and pictures and this and that of the baby. And a lot of people theorize that's because she was born earlier than what they say, because she was already pregnant when she got together with Tom Cruise. It's just like the haze of Scientology makes everything so creepy and like uncertain. Well, they were together for six years after the birth and the weird rumors continue because after they got divorced, there were all of these different NDA rumors that Scientology was involved. One of them basically said that in the divorce settlement, there was a stipulation saying that Katie Holmes couldn't date publicly for five years after the split. And famously, Tom Cruise is, why am I forgetting the word, when he's not there with Surrey. Oh my God. An absentee father? Absentee. Why do I feel like there's a word that begins with an I? Well, whatever. They're not talking, (laughs) basically. And what I think is interesting is that we are going to have all of these, like, Angelina Jolie's children, like, even, like, Apple Paltrow, even, like, Surrey Cruz. We're about to enter a whole new era of these celebrity kids, like, starting to get on Instagram and maybe having roles in movies. You know, obviously, Lily Rose Depp in The Idol. And I'm just going to be very curious because a lot of the different blind items and rumors say that there's this battle between like Tom Cruise and Scientology and Surrey Cruise and Katie Holmes, where like Katie Holmes got out, but Scientology is trying to get Surrey Cruise in and Katie Holmes doing everything she can to keep her out. So Katie Holmes' father is a lawyer. And when she married Tom Cruise, her father had put together a prenup that was like, you know, you know, those like letter boxes, like the, like you see in the movies, the like cardboard boxes that have like files, police files and stuff like that state, that size, that this prenup was five, five of those (gasps) boxes full. And then it was that detailed down to the like, and that's how Katie and that's why Katie was able to get out of this marriage as like quickly and cleanly as she did when it finally happened and also why she was able to get Surrey. Another blind item that I read, maybe you read it too recently, pretty recently was that there has been payments to Surrey that I, I think it was something like, uh, I can't go dig for the blind item right now. I'll waste too much time, but it's it's on my Instagram, but it's something like $30 million up front. And then another, I don't know, million or something a year after after a 10 or 15 year period. And then it will be revisited because Tom Cruise might not even be alive anymore. But by the time, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that it's to keep Surrey can never tell what she knows or what she's seen, conversations she's overheard because she's about to be 18. So it's like for your 18th birthday, here's $30 million. And then for every year after, as long as I, Tom Cruise, am alive, you're going to get another whatever million. And then I think also since the divorce, Tom pays $400,000 a month in child support. (gasps) No. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So like, I mean, I I would be happy to not publicly date someone for five years if I was getting that much money. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. And maybe I'm off zero. It's either 40,000 or 400,000. It's something insane. It's like even 40,000 is that's like more than a lot of people's annual salary. You good know, gravy. Oh my um, god. And and one one last thing I want to throw in for anyone listening 
If you haven't read Katie Holmes' interview from August 1st, 2005 in W Magazine, you have to. Like, do that tonight. Like, Oh, my God. I'm seeing like Wikipedia. I love how you know all of this. Like, like, get your favorite drink, you know, whether it's tea or a little whiskey, whatever, a glass of wine. Make yourself a back, Long Island iced tea and read this article. And read this thing. Um, again, it's W Magazine, 2005, and it's Katie Holmes, the actress enters a weird world called Tomcat. And it is bizarre. What it, What is that TikTok? Th- that TikTok sounds like it's wackadoodle time. Yeah, like, that's right. That's, <laughs> that, this is wackadoodle time. And Katie has a Scientology handler, like already right there. Please go read this if you haven't. I it's it's one of my favorite, but like scariest things of like pop culture lore. Oh my god, I love this. Well, I know that we have maybe like another like 10 minutes left here. Part of me is thinking, should we do Kirsten and Jake? And then should we save Lindsay and Samantha for like, would love to have you back on in another couple of months. Like, I love this concept. And then we can start off with them and do some more apocalyptic relationships. Absolutely. I would love that. Okay, let's do it. Because I want to give everybody like enough time that they deserve. So Kirsten Dunst and Jake Gyllenhaal, I barely knew anything about the two of them other than the paparazzi photo of her eating a salad while he stares (laughs) at her. Like, that was really the main thing I knew. They were in a relationship for two years. He was 22 when they met, and she was 20, which is, like, so rare for him to be in, like, an age-appropriate relationship. And they were introduced through his sister, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And I find it funny that, like, every relationship he's been in, Maggie is, like, somehow involved in it. I, you know, putting that together, like, in retrospect, is like, oh, okay. And then again, it doesn't surprise me because... Jake, uh, again, a whole nother episode you, you could do just on Jake and his personality quirks, if yeah. I'm being polite. Yeah, that maybe <laughs> maybe that's what it takes. Maggie's got to be like, no, I vouch for him. Like, come on in. It's fine. She's like the Ghislaine Maxwell being like, it's okay because I'm a woman introducing you, even though I'm giving you to the devil. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes. And, they, and it was because Maggie and Kirsten were in Mona Lisa Smile together. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that, that transpired. And I, I hear really good things about Maggie Gyllenhaal all the time. Like, I just hear great things about her. I haven't heard much, much bad about her. I, I think maybe she is a Jake apologist, but it's her yeah. brother. So what yeah, are you going right. to do? You, you got to be an apologist for your family for the most part. <laughs> so yeah, they started dating. They moved in together. They adopted a German shepherd named Atticus, which I feel like badass name for a German shepherd. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they moved really quick. But it's funny because everybody was asking her, like, are you going to get married? Are you going to get married? And she gave quotes saying, oh, I'm too young to get married. Seriously, I'm 22 years old. It's so annoying that they put the pressure on you. I love that. Yeah. Like, fuck off. I'm 22. Are you kidding me? Like, Yeah. And and I will also say, again, like, this, these, these, are my, these are my people. Like, this is my age, like, demographic, like, as far as celebs go. Two years, 2002 to 2004, two years were a lot longer back then and that might that might make me sound old as Methuselah but like it's (laughs) it's true like it's just true like to date someone for two years it was like I'm not saying it's it's not a big deal now I'm just saying back then that was a big deal especially for celebrities this young and to be moving in together so quickly it 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 made a big impact on me as a, a fan of them and a fan of pop culture at the time I was like whoa this is huge this is serious oh totally then well it seemed like everything was pretty good, but they give, I'm so excited to talk about the quotes that they 
give about like after they break up basically. So they were together for two years. Kirsten is the one who said, and I love it when people say it themselves, like fuck all of these sources, like come on out and like tell us what happened, like share with the class, like we want to know. So (laughs) Kirsten said, he's a stay at home boy and I'm an out on the town girl. And I can't help but think of Taylor referencing that million dollar couch. I'd stay home too if I had a nice couch. <laughs> and then she said this. She um, discussed the ways that she and Gyllenhaal tried to spice things up in the bedroom or rather outside of it. Quote, we had sex in cars, in the bathroom, and even by the sea. Now, there was also eyewitness accounts about them fucking in a dressing room in this London boutique. Yep. In May 2004, quote, murmurs and groans were heard. Now, this is crazy because this is uh, what the Daily Star reported on. One amazed witness says, quote, let's just say they liked their choices of like clothing that they were bringing in because a trickle of murmurs and groans soon turned into a lovemaker's cacophony. They're obviously so desperately in love that they couldn't wait to get back to their hotel first. Everyone in the shop was smiling at the sounds. They emerged looking ruffled but happy. It was clear what they'd been up to. Smiling at the sounds, like maybe it's because I went to CCD growing up. I would be praying. <laughs> like if I had to hear two people fucking in a dressing room, I would feel like I would either record it because I'm a pervert or I would like say the rosary because I'd be like, I shouldn't be witnessing this. To be fair, this was in London. They're they're <laughs> yeah. much more sex forward and they're not as prudish as, as us Americans when it comes to stuff like that. But I thought that was really interesting too. I, I pulled the same snippet in my notes and it's crazy, but not because a lot of Jake's blind items are about this actual, this very behavior. Like he likes to sex hook up. in public. Yes. He likes to hook up or have sex in quote unquote exciting places, basically meaning where you could be caught or found out at any moment. That's, that's like something that has followed him just as closely <laughs> as like all the toothy tile blind items that, you know, he's not straight man all yeah. the way straight. Yeah. Um, that, so that just, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I hadn't gone back and dug into Kirsten and Jake in a very long time, but I did for this episode and I was like, oh, wow, that tracks. I am dead. Like, do the blinds ever say like which types of places he likes to do it in? Cars, a lot of cars. Cars. And then how funny is it that like all too well is like, we were always in the car driving around. I'm like, were you also sucking his dick? No. No, not, not Taylor. <laughs> Little roadhead on that trip upstate. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah. Which, so can I we thought- be honest? I feel like car sex is the worst type to have. It's just, you know, moving around. You can only really do it in the back seat. I mean, literally haven't even attempted it since I was a teenager. So <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I also like when she said, we had sex by the sea. <laughs> I'm just like, was it on the beach or like, was it at a bungalow by the sea or like, was it on a boat? Like, I really want to niche down on that. It was probably in a car in the public parking by the beach, (laughs) by the sea. Yeah. But I think, I, I think that that was just really interesting. And one thing about this relationship and the reason, just go with me on this journey. The reason that it is like one of my top apocalypse apocalyptic breakups is because Kirsten is like, she's good now, but she had many, many years after this relationship that she was not okay. And I'm not blaming Jake Gyllenhaal for any of her, her problems. She struggled with alcohol, 
substance abuse, depression. She even talks a lot about her going to rehab. I think she went in like 2007, 2008. But this I, relationship, I feel, is the catalyst for a lot of her issues. And what I mean by that is I think why this was such a devastating breakup for her is because I think she found out that Jake wasn't being completely honest with her about his sexuality, about the ways in which he... I think leveraged this relationship and used her to promote heterosexuality, to maybe give people something to look at in the public while he was doing other things in private. And this is not something I thought at the time. Like, so that's not what I mean. I mean, looking back on it, because back in 2002, 2004, if people were having PR relationships, which I just think that that term is like so overused and ubiquitous now, it's kind of lost its meaning. But if those things were happening in the early 2000s, if there were contracts being drawn up to like hide someone's sexuality, I do not think it was very common, if at all. I just don't think it was the standard that like we think of it now today as, as being like a possibility. And I would imagine someone like Jake Gyllenhaal in 2002, like, I like her. My sister introduced me to her. Like she's, she's, she's hot and she's funny and she's cool. Like I'll just date her. And, and, and I think there were too, like, if you really want to sell a bearding relationship, have sex in a public place where eyewitnesses can see it and talk about how you're having all of this straight sex. Right. And, and like what I said about, you know, fake relationships or setting them up. Like, I just don't think that that was happening in 2002. And it certainly I don't think what's happening with them. And I think that I'm speculating wildly, but that's what, that's what we're here for. My favorite type of speculation. (laughs) I think that she, I think she, she found out that maybe he's, was bisexual. Oh my God. He was having gay sex in public because that's his thing. And she was at the grocery store and she saw it. I think that, I think she, she found out. And I, and I think too, and I can speak to this because I would, I was like this and I have learned so much since 20 years ago, but you, unless you were very involved with the queer community or you like had people in your life that could educate you if, if, if they wanted to and you, you really wanted to learn, like we weren't having conversations about bisexuality uh, yeah, or being fluid yeah. or being pansexual. Like it was, you were either gay or straight. That was it. There was no other category. Like, especially, I mean, obviously if you're not part of the queer community, like what the fuck do you know? You know? So like mm-hmm. for someone like Kirsten, like, I don't know if it was, maybe there was no bisexuality conversation. She was just like, oh my gosh, like you're gay and you are attracted to men and you've been lying to me. This relationship has been a lie. You've been using me. And then I think that that really messed her up because remember, like she's a child star. Like she's been in Hollywood since she was like earlier than double digits old. And I think that if what I think happened, I think that it like ripped the wool off of her eyes to this entire industry, which would snowball into her entire life, her entire Mm -hmm. existence. Like I've been doing this for as long as I can remember. Everyone's, everyone's lying. Everyone's only looking out for themselves. Cheating, faking, selfish. And I think it, I just, I think that this relationship was the catalyst or this relationship ending was a catalyst for her 
spiraling just about what the industry really is like behind the curtain. I, I do think that she had a pretty, from what I can tell, I think she had a pretty decent experience as a child in Hollywood. I know yeah. there was the, I know there was the weird kiss with Brad Pitt in the interview with the vampire, but I think she was pretty well protected for the most part as a child on set. And I, I just, this relationship fucked her up. Like that period. Speculation, and it is wild speculation, but that is resonating with me. I mean, even in 2023, of all, like, I really, really feel for bisexual men because, you know, it's, there's so many different aspects to being bisexual or pansexual where you're kind of invalidated on both ends by a lot of people. As a bisexual woman, I feel like saying that to men, they're either like, A, I'm insecure now, or B, I want to watch you like have sex with a woman in front of me, right? Like those are the two binaries. But when it comes to, I'm sure a male, like a guy who's bisexual telling his girlfriend that, it always comes down to, what did they say in Sex in the City? Like being bi is a layover on the way to gay town or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, that's, that's so, so fucked very up. much the perception of like, oh, well, if you're a guy and you hook up with other guys, you're gay. And Even if, if you hook up with girls. Yeah. And if you're, you're a girl and you hook up with girls, you're straight, but you do that. So like if we're still like so twisted about that in 2023, like early 2000s, like of course not. And yeah, especially when you're young too, because I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, like sexuality is whatever it is. And even like monogamy, like I've kind of opened my eyes on that where like I'm still a monogamist, but I can understand spectrums of things more with like age mm -hmm. and experience. And when you're young, I think it's wrong that you take someone's sexuality to be like a remark on you. So I could see like a young 22 year old at the time, if you find out that your boyfriend is cheating on you with a man, allegedly, you would be like, oh my God, this is like shame on me. Like I didn't do something. He's gay. He's been lying. Like I'm, yeah. Yeah. And another reason I kind of click this together in my head, like in my speculation, I want to be clear in my speculation, yeah, yeah. is that they broke up in 2004 and around, and this is also just because around 2004, 2005 is when the internet really like with gossip blogs really start, like they were starting to take off more that we get the first, some of the very first blind items that I ever saw or read were about Jake Gyllenhaal. And if, if you know, you know, if you know Toothy Tile, like, you know, and I'm not saying that- There must have been that, someone like ratting him out because the Toothy Tile blinds were like- They're old as hell. I mean, they're yeah. from 2004. Like some of the earliest ones I've got, I mean, I remember reading them back then, not super accurately. My God, that was 20 years ago. And it just- Anyway, yeah. I don't want to think about that. But <laughs> when I go when I go back and I and I dig online, the earliest ones I can find are like 2004, 2005, and they're typically Ted Casablanca blinds. But then everyone kind of adopted Toothy Tile, and that meant Jake. And whether all the blind items are, are real or not, like I mean, at some level where there's smoke, there's fire. You've been reading the same thing about this person for 20 years, and it just lines up so perfectly of his breakup with Kirsten Dunst and then all this gossip starts coming out. I, I am not saying I think she is the source. I'm just saying. Mm. I mean, a, you tell a friend, you tell a family member, like shit spreads. Yeah. Or just, or just now that he's single, he's getting a little more like brazen in his activities that 
these things just start coming out. And I just think that I think she got she got rickrolled. Like, I'm not saying that he didn't ever care for her. Like, how would I know that? But I really do think that she found out some things about him and he wasn't completely honest with her. And the relationship meant a lot more to her than it did to him. And I mean, it, it wasn't until like 2015 that she, I mean, yes, I know she's been in things. I've been, I've been through her IMDB. Like I, I got it, but she didn't really come back strong until yeah. 2015 with Fargo. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we wrap things up here, like there's so many different similarities between these four that we went through, right? Like with, Kirsten, Katie Holmes, and Katie Perry, we have this idea of like the the girl not really like coming back after this relationship. With John, the weekend, we have this idea of breaking up and getting back together. Like it's just there's just so many different like toxic relationships, right? You could do like a bingo sheet. Like a lot of the things are the same. As we wrap up here, if you had to say out of these four couples, who do you think was the worst person in this relationship? And who do you think was the biggest victim? Like, who do you think suffered the most of the apocalyptic brunt? That's a really, that's a tough question. I think I'm going to have to go with Jake and Kirsten because... The most apocalyptic. Yeah, because <sighs> her, she just, still to this day, I just don't, she has never been the same. And I think because of the time period that it happened things that she possibly found out were a lot more like a lot more of a shock to the system than they would be today. I, she was so young, you know, like when it happened to, and the rest of them, I mean, Bella seems to have come out on top, right? Yeah. She's doing great. I think Katie Holmes, I don't know that she fully understood what she was signing up for, but I think she knew she was signing up for a, a marriage, not a real marriage, like a, I mean, I guess like, yeah, like a PR relationship, but like, to the most extreme. Like, I do think they were really legally married, but I don't think she was under any trickery of like, oh, he's really in love with me. I think she knew exactly what that she was signing up for a farce, right? And then Katie and John, I mean, I, I do think that one was pretty, I put that as a second to, to Jake and Kirsten, but they were, they were a lot older, a little bit older. I wouldn't say a lot older, but they were older. And I guess Katie... I mean, she's married the, now. She has Yeah, children. she's married now. And as, as someone who came up to fame in the age of the internet, like the early, like when it was becoming much more commonplace, everybody being online and stuff, I think maybe she was a little more prepared for a public relationship. Because again, like 2002, the Jake and Kirsten, like, Nobody was yeah, that was very kind of prepared for for that level of exposure. I feel like if I had to say anyone, I would go Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes just because like with the weekend and Bella, we get songs, we get Dumois blind items. With John and Katie, like John is on Call Her Daddy talking about what a shit bag he is. With like Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal, like, yeah, it was it was earlier, you know, in the time period. But with Tom and Katie, like it's just shrouded in so much mystery and so many NDAs and so much Scientology and laws and $30 million to do this and not do that. I feel like all of the money and secrecy is covering up something really fucked up. And the fact that like, you know, Tom's had three different women divorce him and they feel so much joy or terror leaving this relationship with him. I'm like, 
there must just be something so fucked up about this man that is kept private and covered up and the Scientology probably has it on him. And that's why they've been able to keep him under his thumb because they know some dark, twisted shit that he does. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And but that's because I'm I got my conspiracy hat no, on. It, I'm going to the moon. But like what I'll go with you, you know? Yeah, I'll go yeah. I will go in the sidecar to 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 the moon with you. Cause I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I guess when I think of like what's the worst thing that someone could do, immediately I'm like, oh, we'll kill somebody. But there are things worse <laughs> than that. Those two weeks she was missing, she was yeah, cloned like, and killed. Like, there are things worse than death. And, like, if any, you know, if which I'm sure you have, like, if anyone spent any time, like, researching Scientology, reading about David Miscavige, watching the Going Clear documentary, like, yeah, there's no telling. So that's a really good point because I feel like whatever went on, like, it's it's still going on. Like, Katie is still dealing with it. Like, she's never going to be free of this. Even if Tom, like, when Tom passes away, he's so intertwined with the, I'm not even going to call it the church. He's so intertwined with Scientology. Like, she will always probably have somebody watching her. Even, like, even when he's dead. But you know what? She has Enti as her protector to like, you know, watch over her. That's and true. Like, you know what? Mate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my. I'm gonna change my vote. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. I'm gonna agree with you on Tomcat, and then Tom I'll Cat. put Jake and Kirsten as my second. There yeah. you go. I'm, I yeah. cannot thank you enough for coming on. You are a wealth of knowledge, and thank I really you. encourage if anybody wants more Emps, we got your episode over on Patreon. You are also basically a co-host over on What I Will Say with Cam, and you guys talk about a plethora of topics, both on public and Patreon episodes over there. I just like love listening to you guys talk about celebrity happenings. And we're going to have to have you back because like there are more. We can go back to our list of 20 and just yeah. like pick some more maybe in the fall. Absolutely. I would love to do that. And we'll, we'll, we'll kick it off with Lindsay and Samantha because there's a lot to say there too. <laughs> oh yeah. There's like a good 20 minutes on them. Well, thank you so much for coming on of and course. we will have Ems again back soon. So have a great rest of your week, everyone. And we will see you next week for another episode of Fluently Forward. Bye guys. Bye.